This morning, I'm going to talk specifically about what it means to have a different life. And when I say different, this idea of living differently, I don't mean necessarily different in the, in the respect of we should be different and special and unique and stand out in some special way. I'm not necessarily talking about that kind of different. I'm talking about the kind of different that Jesus calls us to, that Jesus comes in and he changes us and he gives us a different life, uh, one that's different than who we used to be. And and it really radically transforms our story. And so when I think about stories, um, we and you, we have a story. We have one life to live, one epic possible story to be able to tell. And we have to ask ourselves, like, what's the story we're telling with our life? What's the story that's really being written? And what's God doing in us? And, 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 and we say so many words around here, you know, like we love our city and we want to bring life to our city. And those are great words. And you probably say things in your life that you really want to do or be. And you have these words that really mean a lot to you. And what we've always said is, it's great to have words. And we're going to use those words. But those words should lead, uh, lead us to live a story. And if we don't have stories that really represent the fact that we do love our city well. And we don't have stories that kind of, kind of display the reality that we love our neighbors and other things. Well, well then something's lacking. And so we want to always have stories. And with today, as we're looking at a different life, the story that came to my mind was I was thinking about the people in our church and different people and there's, uh, that have had a life that's been changed by Jesus. And I thought of my good friends, Brandy and Jeremy Romine. And some of you know them and you know their story well, but others of you don't, and you're going to get to hear it today. But um, just the story of how Jesus can come in and can change everything about who we are. And, and in a few minutes, they're going to come and they're going to share a little bit about how God has really you know, what he's taught them through this whole thing. But I was just thinking about how God has changed so much over the last 10 years of their life. And 10 years ago, they weren't really even in church. Um, and, and God started moving in and through friend, uh, started pulling Brandy into a church. Brandy gets in church and she really wants to get, get Jeremy coming. And she starts telling him we need to go to church. And a little reluctant at first. I don't know if anybody's ever been reluctant to go to church. Anybody? can relate to that and getting in this strange environment that's different than maybe other things you do in life. And, but eventually he agrees and they start going to church and they start encountering a, a, an environment that's just different. And, and it wasn't too long after that that Jeremy gave his life to, to Christ at the age of 24. And, and, and it just started radically changing their, their story as a family. And they started looking at, at ways to start serving the church. They start serving the church and um, they get involved with a Christian community of people in a small group, and they start doing all those things, and, and their life is becoming different than it was before. And about five years ago uh, is when I first met them, and it was kind of in the season of us starting this church, and, and, and Ryan Moore, who, who plays drums with us, he, he invited them to come to one of our informational meetings, and, and they were coming to be nice to Ryan, right? You know how that goes. They're like, yeah, we'll be nice. We'll go to this meeting, and, and we'll take off, right? And but then the Holy Spirit started whispering to them, right? And whispering to them that they were supposed to be a part of what God was doing in this church. And, and they were with us from day one. As a result, uh, they planted this church with us. They've been with us the whole time. And sort of in that same season, God started whispering other things to them about other things that were huge and big and tremendous changes. And one of them was he started telling them that they should really open their house and their home up to, up to adoption and to bringing someone in. They already had their son Carter, and they thought, well, we need to, we need to adopt. So they started pursuing adoption, and it's a big journey. 
And they went through it, and now they have a little boy, Nathan, from Korea that some of us know. He's such a joy. And they went through this whole journey of saying, okay, God, you're calling us to this. This is something we would have never done before, but now we're doing it. And so they adopted. And then kind of in that, right in that season two, they're, they're living in Blanchard, which is not close to here necessarily. And they're like, if we're going to be part of this church and they're getting a passion for this part of the city, maybe we should leave our, like our hometown and we should move to this part of the city and we should invest in the work of not only the church, but the, the needs of this city. And, and so they did it. They, they, they sold their house and they move up here. This is all happening kind of in the same season. They're adopting, they're moving, they're going to a new church. It's like a new work being done, right? Jesus is changing their life. And then Brandy's in a career and she's got a great career and God starts whispering to her that maybe this isn't what he has for her. And she starts thinking about how she can invest in people with need and she uh, starts looking around and she finds this nonprofit, Hope House OKC, which a lot of us know what that is now. And, and because of Brandy, we know what it is, but she starts going through this whole journey of changing careers and she's now working for the Hope House OKC, which serves homeless families in our city. And now other people in our church work there as a result. And there's this whole huge change, right, that's going. It's like there's like a new family. And what's, where, why? Because Jesus changes everything. And then not that long ago, uh, Jeremy just starts feeling, whispering once again, that, hey, you can fit more in your home. <laughs> and so they start opening their heart up to the idea of fostering. And, and now they're just weeks away from being paired with their first kid. They bring a foster child into their, into their house. And, and they'd be the first to say, hey, it's, this, we don't want this story to be like, look at what they've done. That's not what this is about. It's about, look what Jesus has done. Look what Jesus has done. He takes a family and he changes it. And he changes it. He does something new in them. And uh, so when I think about a different life, I think about them. And I thought it would be really cool for me to tell all those cool things, but then for you to hear from them about how, what God was doing in them through that whole process and how they were kind of being led by God. So without further ado, would you uh, welcome Brandy and Jeremy? They're going to come and join us. So I've had a front row seat for the last five years to watching <laughs> what God's been doing in their life. And I think we should just kind of rewind and, and you should talk, because really this, this story begins, um, well, it probably begins before this, but there's a, a pretty big turning point whenever you gave your life to Christ. Uh, Jeremy, why don't you share a little bit about your life and the transformation and what Jesus has done? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so like, uh, I guess like uh, when I think of it, like 12 or 13 years ago, I was in a pretty, pretty, bad spot in my life like uh my life I mean it really revolved around uh drinking and partying and <clears throat> and during that time uh I don't know uh, Brandy comes to me with this idea of church and I I didn't grow up in church but I knew church was early Sunday mornings and that did not coincide with what I did Saturday <laughs> nights so I was uh I was a little reluctant to start going to church but uh anyways I I get we start going to church and I remember like all these people just had like this different, like it was just different from what I was doing at that time. And like everybody, I just, I had a bad stigma. I thought everybody was geeks. And <laughs> and <laughs> and I remember going through the door one day and this geek meets me and he's like, hey, uh, I'm Ryan Moore, nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, so uh, <laughs> uh, I, can, I can honestly say like I, I literally, uh, man, he just doesn't know like what he did for my life and just kind of where he pulled me out of or helped pull me out of and 
I guess that's like when I think of it, I think of like God just uses, you know, friends and people at church, you know. I mean, uh, it's just really great to see like God surrounded me with like really good Christian, you know, friends and, and that can like, I mean, really be there for me in life. So it's been really good. It's amazing, man. It's uh, incredible to think about the church family's impact on your life. And, uh, Brandy, one of the big things for you, of course, was the, the change in your life. It was a really pivotal moment where you guys, where you decided to change and work at the Hope House. And I know it wasn't just pivotal for you, but your whole family. God taught you a ton through that. I want you to talk a little bit about that, because a lot of us probably are in those situations where we're like, okay, God, am I, is this, what, is, what are you speaking to me about my future and my career and things like that? Um. So God continues to do a work in my heart um, every day that I'm at Hope House. But I know for me, it was whenever, um, whenever I was hired, it was the journey of being hired where he did a deep work in showing me the power of praying through things and the power of being obedient to what was specifically placed on my heart. So whenever I first heard about Hope House and the opportunity, I remember um, just immediately feeling like that was where I was supposed to be and that was where we were supposed to serve and play in our hearts and um, Although nothing about it made sense um, nothing about it made sense for our family nothing about it made sense career-wise and Definitely nothing made sense about it um, in terms of why Hope House should hire me to run their program and so um, about two months into the hiring process um, where we were at the final stages and I was about to be hired um, I was looked at on paper um, one last time, and um, it just didn't make sense. Nothing about me on paper in the world's qualifications, nothing made sense. And so because of that, um, the door was closed and I wasn't hired. Um, however, the door was not closed in my heart, and so I conti continued to be stirred and settle uh, unsettled. And I remember, you know, wrestling with God a lot and asking him, you know, why do I still feel so unsettled and, you know, what is happening and I, I didn't get hired and so why can't I just move on? And so in asking those questions, I felt like God was um, telling me, you know, just be still and pray and, and pray through this and press in and pressing in looked like um, asking a couple of friends um, to pray with me, which, you know, can kind of be embarrassing in a sense of like, I know I didn't get hired, but I also still feel like that's where I'm supposed to be. Would you guys pray with me? And so Leslie Cook and um, my friend Courtney Moore, they were two of the people um, that I asked to join in prayer. And so long story short, about a month and a half later, um, I was hired and God opened the door back up in just um, a really sweet way that only he could do. Um, and so during that season, God taught me the power of praying through things. And mm -hmm. up until this point, I had always just kind of accepted things. Um, like if an answer was no, I would just accept it. And sometimes that's okay. And that's what we're supposed to do. But um, whenever God places dreams on our hearts, it's not always just the door is swung wide open. And so he taught me just to pray through that. And, um, and then the other thing was that God showed me that he places things on our individual hearts. And so he doesn't always share with the world around us. He doesn't always share with your friends that stirring and that unsettling. You want people to get it so bad, but sometimes they don't and that's okay. Um, but we have to be obedient to the things that God specifically places on our individual hearts. Yeah, that's so good. So good. Well, and one of the things that I think is really cool about your journey is, again, I got to see you guys as friends and at times journey with you through it. And I just always saw you guys um, working together through this in, in the sense that sometimes one of you would be on one page, maybe the other one's not quite there yet or, or vice versa. And, and But somehow you guys always kind of walked through this together. And, and a lot of us, I know, we're married or families and, and how did you guys kind of what did God do through that for you guys in terms of just pursuing this together yeah. so we've been uh we've been married going on 12 years now and like um 
I think that's one thing like that we've realized is like throughout the this 12 years like each of us have had different dreams at different times and um, sometimes like a, like Brandy had this dream of like going to church and I wasn't there at that time and you know uh, even like with fostering I, I had this dream of what that could look like for our family and she wasn't there at that time but like I think really one thing like God just like really taught us is like to come together and like I mean we I mean we share our dreams together with each other and like I mean and, and love it I mean and uh, so that's one thing like we're, we're not scared to share our dreams and then like we agree to like I mean we pray through like what our dreams look like and it may not look like that for both of us at that time but like that is one thing that like we've always agreed to do and uh, another thing too like um like when I mean, like, really, like, when we started going to church, like, I mean, I never felt like I was forced to go to church. Like, Brandy always, like, I mean, it was just loving, you know, how she always handled that. And even, like, with the fostering, like, I mean, we don't get upset if, you know, somebody's not there at that time. But, like, I just think God's, like, just showed us a way to, like, really, you know, share our dreams with each other and really pray through that together as a team. It's really good. I love it. I love the idea of dreaming together. Um, Well, you know, one of the things that I think too that I was when we were just thinking through your story we don't share a story because we want to put anybody on a pedestal we want to talk about what Jesus has done in your life and how he's changed you and and I think you guys have a lot to encourage us with I mean we talk about how we should spur one another on in our faith and so Bernie what you just I, I mean what would you say if you were going to encourage us in this whole idea of just the things that God's taught you the idea of your story the idea of Jesus changing you how would you encourage us um, I think I would want everybody to know um, that we're not any different. Um, I can remember, and even still to this day, you know, you hear somebody share their story and you think, wow, like that's a cool story. Um, but just wanting everybody to know that God is writing this crazy, awesome story, and, and he wants all of us to be a part of it. So not just our family, but every single person in this room. And um, you don't have to have the right qualifications. Um, you don't have to have um, the certain education level or certain personality type or um, be at a certain stage of life. These are all things that I think underlying we don't say out loud, but we kind of tell ourselves um, why we're not doing something. But um, just God wants to use every one of us. And then also... You know, when God has laid something on our hearts, um, it can be a little daunting sometimes or overwhelming. And I know for me personally, um, I want to know the 10th step before I will even think about taking the first step. Um, and so God has given us freedom just to go, we don't, we don't have to figure it out and we don't have to know all the details or, or the outcome. And there's a lot of freedom found in that. And, um, you know, for example, with the fostering, um, a lot of people's, um, initial questions are good and it's just, they want to know, um, you know, will you just foster one child or how many, or what if a child is placed in your home and then they leave quickly, will you do it again? And how long will you foster? And we can honestly say, um, we have no idea, (laughs) We don't know what that looks like, and we can smile saying that to where before we definitely couldn't, but um, we don't know, and we don't have to know, and I think there's a lot of freedom um, that comes with that because a lot of times when God puts things on our hearts, we don't know, and we can't figure it out, and so um, one of the things that we can do is we can take one step in the right direction, so whatever God has placed on your heart, um, it's overwhelming to think of 10 steps or trying to figure it out, but what we can all do is we can take one step um, in that direction and just know um, that God is going to be with you and he's going to show you what the next step is. Mm. So good. Well, thank you guys for, you know, this is just like a, we were talking about this, like if we were going to tell your story, it'd really take a lot longer, but we just kind of skimmed over the top, but there's so much, 
that uh, we were encouraged by. So thank you guys so much. Uh, I'm gonna here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna pray in just a moment, and we're gonna kind of dive into God's word for just a few minutes. But let's first thank them for sharing kind of what God's done in their life. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that as we take just a few moments to continue to just consider what you have for us today and listen to your word and be encouraged by you from the spirit that, Lord, we would uh, consider our own stories and we consider what, God, you want to do in us and through us with our life. Uh, God, we love you. We give you the rest of this time. Thank you for your, thank you for, uh, your love for us in your name. Amen. All right. Well, like I said, what I want to do is I just want to take a few minutes um, and I want to look at God's word, but I, I kind of specifically want to dive into this idea of a different life. I mean, and, and I say that, and I, and I always want to qualify it. The goal isn't to be different, like meaning to be special or unique or to stand out, which I know all of you probably have a friend who's always trying to be that different person. You know what I'm talking about? The one that's like always taking the opposite of the majority and they feel special and unique. They pick the band that nobody's ever heard of. You know what I'm talking about? Like, that different person. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that when you follow Jesus, when you follow Jesus, it results in a life that is different. It just does. And what I mean by that, it's different from the who you used to be. It's different. You're becoming a new creation. And this is actually, actually big. And, the, and, and when I think about this, I feel like um, there's a lot of people who claim Jesus. Right? There's a lot of people who claim Jesus as Lord and Savior. They claim Jesus in their faith. And if you think about even our city, there'd be hundreds and, and, and obviously thousands of people who would claim Jesus, which would mean that we should be able to go through our neighborhoods and link arms with other believers who are wanting to shine God's light. Right? We should be able to go into our workplaces and link arms with people who are wanting to shine God's light and do things that matter for the kingdom. And we should never feel alone in our faith, but that's not how we feel. The truth is, is so many of us feel alone in our faith, we don't feel the linking arms sort of, uh, sort of reality around us. And the, and the reason, I believe, is because many people, many followers of Jesus, none of us, of course, many followers of Jesus, they, they're really just doing the same things that everyone else is doing. And so we're not really living a different life, but we're living a very similar life. We consume the same things, we do the same things, we watch the same things, we essentially value even the same things. There might be some beliefs that are a little distinguishing and a little different. There may be some things we embody occasionally that are a little different, but I, but I wonder, is it enough? Because shouldn't our faith, shouldn't our faith cost us something? Shouldn't, shouldn't our faith in Jesus come at a cost at some level in which it, it costs us something? Shouldn't there some sort of change be occurring within us? And so here's what I want to do. Because Jesus is, is calling us to a new way of living. I want to I look at a couple scriptures. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. So this is, this, is, this is the story, right? This is Jeremy and Brandy. Like they, they had this old way of life, then the new had come. This is what we're talking about. Ephesians 4, another scripture. It says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Now, most of you know this stuff. You've, you've, you've read the scriptures, or maybe you know the idea of what it means to become Christ, become a new creation in Christ. Verse 23, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, I need you to stay with me for just a few minutes. You guys there? Are you with me? Essentially, we can say it this way. The theology of salvation is that we become a new creation in Christ. 
Now, when I say theology of salvation, most of us, uh, we have a working knowledge of what salvation is. We see it as salvation saves us, right? It saves us from something. What does it say? What is salvation? What are we saved from? Jesus saves. We see the signs, right? What are, the, what are we saved from? Our sins? Hell, right? That's how some of us say we're saved from hell. We're saved from eternal separation from God. We're saved from this thing. And so salvation becomes something we're saved from. But we understand that's what salvation is. But the, a theology, an understanding of what God is really doing through salvation includes what is called the work of salvation. Philippians 2, I'll read the scripture to you. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his purpose. So he has a purpose for all of us. Now, like I said, you got to stay with me, right? Because we're talking about the Bible, and it's really easy to get bored with the Bible. No judgment. Gosh, that was a joke, people. So this text is often used, it's misused by a lot of faith traditions, a lot of denominations in which they're trying to instill fear in people of God. And so there's this guilt kind of driven sort of fear-based sort of understanding of God. You know what I'm talking about? That's out there, right? But fear in this, the Greek word for fear is actually a reverence and a respect and an honor for God. So in fear and trembling, in respect and reverence and awe, you should have a fear and then work out your salvation in respect and reverence and awe, meaning the Greek word for work out is to go to 24-hour fitness. No, <laughs> the Greek word for work out is actually to, it's actually similar because in Philippians 3, Paul says to press on and strain towards the goal of Christ Jesus. And it's actually talking about a process of sanctification. Now, if you're like, what is sanctification? Sanctification is a process in which you are saying, I, am being, I have been saved, but I'm also being saved. And the work of salvation is being done in me. I'm being sanctified in Christ, which means I'm confessing the ways of the, flesh, and I'm repenting of my old self, and I'm walking into my new self. And so I'm continually being made new, and I'm letting my old self go. So the salvation is at work in us. So a theology of salvation must include this idea of sanctification. Are you with me? All right. So the early church when they became followers of Jesus, this was a big deal. Because it was actually, it changed everything about them. Like I've been saying, Jesus changes everything. He changes your life. And you should have a different life if you follow Jesus. You should have, your life should be markedly different than it used to be because of what Jesus is doing in you. People will give their life to Jesus in the early church. And what that means is everything changed. Oftentimes it meant they would have to, they would be, their family would disown them just immediately, right? It means they became an enemy of the state they knew that they were probably or likely going to get arrested. They could even be executed for their faith in Jesus. So it was changing everything. They would give their life to Jesus, and they knew that it didn't just mean those things, but it meant that everything about their everyday life changed. They saw themselves with a new identity, a new everything. A lot of times their names would even be changed. We have proof of this in the Scripture, right? How many times did we read in Scripture where someone came to know Jesus and their name changed? Levi, the tax collector, became who? Matthew, the disciple, Right? Peter, I mean, Simon, the fisherman, became who? Peter, the disciple. Saul, the persecutor of the church, became who? Paul, the apostle. It even goes back into the, into the Old Testament where there's a new covenant that was given to Abram, and he became Abraham. Jacob, 
his son, one of his sons becomes, becomes Israel, right? So it keeps going in which we see this new reality and this new creation in Christ. So I'm teaching a little bit of the theology of salvation and understanding of what we are saved, that we aren't just saved from something. We are working out the salvation to become someone. We are becoming a new creation and your life and who you've been has to be radically different than who you were and you are becoming a new creation where you're living a life that you would have never imagined before. So our faith should change us. Earlier I said, shouldn't our faith cost us something? If our faith isn't costing us much, perhaps we should assume we aren't living a life of very much faith. If our faith isn't costing us much, if we're just kind of going through life, maybe perhaps that means we're not living a life of very much faith. We are constantly shedding the old self and putting on the new. And the more faithfully you walk with God and the more you are being sanctified, you will find yourself being at odds with the ways of the world, the ways of the flesh. When I say at odds, just so you know, I don't mean like you're at war with them through anger or disgust with the world around you, although there's a spiritual battle taking place. What I mean is you're at odds with the ways of the flesh, meaning you're at odds with the ways of the world. You see darkness, you want to shine light. You see brokenness, you want to bring restoration and renewal. You see things like whenever you see brokenness, you can't ignore it anymore. You can't ignore poverty. You can't ignore the forgotten. You can't ignore Houston, right? Because you're at odds with brokenness. This, this, really think about this. If you are giving way to, if you're letting the old self go and you're stepping into the new, you'll be at odds with what? This, with sin. So sin would be something you would be at odds with. It's ways of the flesh. But I think about this in so many practical ways and how we've just embraced sin. We've just, there's just some sin in our life that we just won't do anything about. And sometimes it's not even direct sin, it's indirect sin. <laughs> Meaning the things we expose ourselves to, the things we watch. And I think Christians in today's world, we really need to take a hard look at the things we consume with our eyes and we watch on television. You know, I mean, there's a big hard push against things like pornography. That's one thing. But what about the things that are just not, not quite pornography that we watch all the time? that are on television in this world of Netflix and, 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 and Hulu and all the things that are out there that are, we're exposing ourselves to and Christians aren't really, really engaging that much. We're giving ways to the flesh and we're not giving way to the spirit. We're not becoming new. We're letting ourselves sit in the old. Because why? We don't want to be too different. Galatians 5. By the way, are you with me? I keep asking that. It's intentional. Galatians 5. It's a big help with all this. You, my brothers from other mothers and sisters from different misters, we're called to be free. But do not let your freedom, listen to this, but not let your freedom, do not, let, do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. This is a big deal. Love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe that's why we talk about it a lot. If, you're, if you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Then listen to this, verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit. Remember, we're, we're talking about that we'd be at odds with the ways of the world, at odds with the ways of the flesh. Listen to these words. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of flesh. For the, desi for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh, at odds, right? They are in conflict with each other, so that you will not so that you are not to do whatever you want. 
But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Meaning it's not just a bunch of rules and regulations. It's because you're being led by the Spirit to become who God wants you to be. It's because it's an act of love. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions and factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who stay in their old ways, because they've never really let the Spirit lead. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. This is like heady stuff, right? This is really good, good stuff. This is really like the word of God teaching us today. Listen to that. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified, put to death the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now, I'm going to leave those verses on the screen for the rest of our time. And, and maybe you're going to look at this and you're going to go, well, you know what? Those ways of the flesh, those are true of me. Or maybe there's some ones that aren't listed. You're like, those are true of me and I need to confess and I need to repent and I need to work out my salvation and let the work of sanctification take place in my life in that area of where I'm giving my way, myself to the flesh, to the old ways. Or perhaps you're going to look at the bottom part of those verses and you're going to say, you know what, I need that way of the Spirit to be elevated in my life. That's what I really want to see activated in my life. So here's, here's what I know is that if we follow Jesus, if we follow Jesus, it's going to result in a different life. The, the working out of our salvation results in a different life. So many times people think, well, to do things that matter or to be a person that's really, you know, uh, really going after God. You're going to do all these sorts of radical things, these really huge things that are, that are, and then you're going to have these stories to be able to tell about, look at all the things that I've done. And that's, that's not what this is about. It's not about trying to have stories that you manifest and you, and you create. It's about letting the work of salvation be done in you, sanctification happening, and you become what? You become a new creation. And all of a sudden you're living the life that you didn't design, but God is doing in and through you because it's what God and the ways of the Spirit will do in us. So we don't manifest the different, we become the different. We become the different by the work of the Spirit and putting to death and crucifying the flesh. Are you with me? You know what the problem is, is there's so many Christians today that don't want to be too Christian, T-O-O -O, Christian, right? You know what I'm talking about? Being too Christian gets a bad rap in our culture. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, you know what I'm talking about, right? Ah, oh, man, this is too good, too Christian, too goody-goody, too whatever. Uh, it's just... And so what happens is we actually reject the notion of being too Christian. And so, so many followers of Jesus, the reason we can't link arms, the reason we feel alone is because so many followers of Jesus don't want too much Jesus in their life. See how messed up that is? Is that real enough today? Is that too real? because I feel like that's where so many of us are. Even those of us who are tired of mediocre versions of faith, even those of us who are saying, you know what, I can worship you when I'm in the building and I can worship you even at home, but we're still at this place where we're saying, I haven't given ways to the new to take over the old. We're still gratifying ourselves with the flesh and we're not 
truly allowing ourselves and the work of salvation to be done in us. We aren't coming in fear and trembling. We aren't in reverence of God. We aren't honoring God. We aren't in a way in which we're saying, I'm gonna come in fear and trembling and I'm going to let the work of salvation be done in me. I'm gonna confess with my mouth the sins and the ways of the flesh. And I'm gonna let repentance take over me to where I return and I'm renewed and restored into who Christ has originally created me to be. And I am then a new creation becoming who God's called me to be, which by the way, will result in a life that you never imagined. You'll be doing all sorts of things that matter for the kingdom because you guess what? It's not you anymore. It's Christ in you. What does it say in Philippians? You are now hidden in Christ. And so whenever you give way to the new, it's actually Christ coming out of you. Isn't that beautiful? And so our fear of being too Christian, it's a lie that the devil has sold to the American church. So many of us are falling for. And so we keep consuming the th same things, we keep watching the same things, we keep doing the same things, we keep valuing the same things, we keep think thinking safety and comfort is actually what others and things can provide for us in life. And it's not really coming from the, from the understanding that all things, all good things come from Jesus. All good things come from God, our Heavenly Father. We have this understanding in life that no, good things come from other places and I can find my rest and my security and my comfort and my retirement plan in that because that's what the world says I need. Now, am I saying throw all the things out the window? No, I'm saying listen to the Spirit, see what He does, and start taking steps to writing a story. Because remember, this is all about a story, isn't it? What's the story of your life? Christy and I woke up one day several years ago and realized that our life wasn't terribly different than anyone else. Are you with me? And when I realized that, that it was like getting a whiff of one of those smelling salts, you know, you're like, just throws your head back and you're like, whoa, I just smelled a big bag of normalcy. Again, I'm not suggesting you go to a bunch of radical things so you can have a story to tell everybody and stand on a mountaintop and say, look what I've done. It's not what this is about. It's about letting the work of salvation being done in you and one in which our life would be at odds with the way of the flesh. Because I don't want to do what everyone else does. I want to do what Jesus is calling us to do, and we will live differently when that happens. Because too many Christians, get this one, too many Christians are just dipping their toe into the pool and claiming that they're swimming. But living differently is a cannonball into the pool with Jesus and his endless possibilities that a life with Christ has to offer. That's what that is. That's what living differently looks like. It's all in. So if we believe Jesus changes everything, when the news starts to come, you'll start to see stories that, I mean, the, the Roman, why we tell their stories, they would be the first to tell you that it's all Jesus. It's all Jesus, everything that God's called them to do. So today, I want us to be encouraged to be spurred on in our faith, to be inspired, not because there's not enough things out there inspiring us, but to be inspired by the Word of God that teaches us that those who belong to Christ Jesus have, been, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. 
Are you with me? Let's bow your heads. Let's pray for a moment. I just really want to invite you to respond today in a time of just saying, God, I just want to, I just want to actually respond to your word. That I, don't, I want to have a life in which I'm, I'm, I'm open to whatever it is you have for me. That we would look at our life and we'd ask, God, is there any offensive way in me? Is there anything in me that's offensive? Is there anything in me that's the flesh? Obviously there is, God. So, so, so right now, all of us, we have things in us that the flesh is holding us. And that's where we confess it. That's where we repent of it. And that's where we ask God to do the work of salvation in us so that we will become the new creation he's called us to be. So today, I, I would, I'm hoping that you would feel conviction about what you need to be confessing and what you need to be repenting of so that you can give way to the new. And then I'd also say this to anybody in this room that has ever wondered if they've ever given their life to Jesus, really. I mean, that's a confusing issue for a lot of people. There's a lot of doubts that kind of swirl around it and a lot of concern. And it's, it, I just say this, it's not just about believing that God exists. It's about, it's about believing and confessing that Jesus is Lord and then letting him do the work of salvation in you. And if you don't feel like that's ever happened in your life, I'd say today can be the day of your salvation. Today could be the day in which you say, Jesus, I want to give my life to you. I want my story to be about you. And I want you to take me to become a new creation in Christ Jesus. This morning, we're going to sing, and as we do, if you want to give your life to Christ, I'm going to be up here. Some prayer team people will be up here. We'd love to talk to you about what it means and help you with it. But we're also opening this altar up to say maybe some confession needs to take place. Maybe some repentance needs to take place. Maybe just some, some asking God to say, Lord, I need patience. I need love. I need forgiveness. I need, I need these fruits of the Spirit to just come bursting out of my life right now. And maybe you're just going to come and you're going to pray for that. But I want to open this altar for prayer. I also want to open our time for people to respond for salvation, respond for other prayer needs going on in your life. So as we sing, all those ways of responding are available to you. And of course, we can sing and we can worship. So Father, we pray that as we take these few moments, we give them to you and we respond to you. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you've given us a story to write. And maybe may our story be one in which you are the guiding light of all of it. Lord, we pray all these things in your name. Amen.